It's a privilege for me to be here. Welcome to Hamilton. 125 years ago, we probably wouldn't be having this meeting because that's when the red light district was in its full bloom flower. Another man who was economically linked to this was a man that, whose name I think everyone in here knows, and that was Mr. Marcus Staley. Uh, he was born in 41. I was born in 42. <laughs> well, I was born in the Marcus Staley Hospital, so you may understand that there was a century difference. Today, we were fortunate, and I had a fantastic publisher who got the book out just in time to introduce it. We had the premiere two or three weeks ago. We had a super attendance, just as nice as this one. But the answer to several questions that I've heard since we brought this out, I didn't know Hamilton had a red light district. Ellen, while it's a pleasure for me to have her introduce me, was primarily responsible for me getting some pictures that we did not think even existed anymore. So if you don't mind, would you join me in a round of thank you, Ellen. <laughs> One of my favorite authors, I wrote a very lengthy paper. It, was, it only had 400 citations, but I wanted to see how often Mark Twain was quoted in law reviews. I was overwhelmed. He could have been describing Hamilton's heydays in his classic book, Roughing It. Vice flourished luxuriantly <laughs> during the time of our flush times. The saloons here were overburdened with customers, so were the police courts, the gambling dens, a little emphasis, the brothels, and the jails. On failing signs of prosperity in a mining region, in any region for that matter, recently released, this book talks about the time period when Marcus Daly's economics were thriving here. In a very short time period, Hamilton came up, well, within three years, they had over 40 businesses. Now I want you to relax on this one. 23 saloons. Now if you've driven around Hamilton, I was 22 before I ever went into every bar in Hamilton. <laughs> My mother said, where are you going? Moms can do that. I'm going to go downtown. I'm going to go into every bar. You want to come with me? No. Been there, done that. <laughs> but think about this in 1890. Oh, yes. They had one fine church and one red light district. So much for the social life in Hamilton. Tamar Stanley, who's the director of the Ravalli County Museum, said there's always some sort of personal connection that sets off straight on a research project. And this one is no exception. 
Our family story is that my great aunt Molly was a madam in Wallace, Idaho. Bits and pieces of family lore were put together when my cousin and I took our two aunts on a trip to Lone Pine Cemetery in Darby. One denied ever hearing anything about Aunt Molly. <laughs> and the other one, my favorite, little pipsqueak that she was, said, you took the dolls, you took the clothes, just the same as the rest of us kids from Aunt Molly. Don't you sit there and deny it. My cousin almost ran us off the road. But, so I was kind of curious as, what, what was it like back then? Unlike many cities in Montana, we didn't have people who researched, wrote, or published on the red light district. What they reported on was Marcus Daly's economic, the industries, and, and that was certainly a good one to do. But out of respect for my great aunt and curiosity, and remember I lived in Nevada for 30 years, and you may or may not know, but uh, prostitution is legal in Nevada, except for two counties, based on population. So I was interested, kind of fascinated. I would like to have been around to meet my great aunt Molly. A week ago, she would have been 117. <laughs> This is one of the earlier pictures of Hamilton, not the earliest. Uh, I want you to notice the paved roads. Anybody see the paved roads? <laughs> Whew, good. Notice that the mountains in the background have stayed with us. They're still beautiful. So today we're, we're traveling back in time to the 1890s and I've been back in time for the past three years. So I have a different viewpoint. I'm still fascinated about Hamilton's history. Back then Hamilton was, was described as a brawling, bustling western frontier town. When Marcus Daly wanted to do something, he did it. He was an extremely wealthy man. He had all kinds of businesses, mills, mines, timber and logging, farming and ranching. And he had his personal favorite equestrian interests on this little 28,000 acre ranch. Stick around for the story on Silva Montana Equestrian immediately following this one. I can hardly wait. <clears throat> 1890, Hamilton was platted. Mammy Smith, one of the two madams here. The other one, Mary Glime. Uh, Mary Glime was a fascinating lady who cut a pretty wide swath in Missoula and other places. She owned property all over. She was said to be about five, six, five, seven, and 300 pounds. I talked with the recorder in Missoula, and she said, 
I have a document that when uh, Mary Glyne was put in prison, she weighed 175. I think I would probably be more apt to believe her than this guesstimate that is it's fascinating, but probably not necessarily accurate. A couple of things. Uh, 1893, Ravala County was founded, Yahoo! And the most important thing, the jail was ready for occupancy. Does that tell you something about things? Yes, it does. Probably the one that fascinated me here, other than Marcus Daly died in 1900, was prostitution was outlawed in Montana in 1895. Apparently wasn't enforced anywhere. Well, maybe a few places. When Marcus passed away in 1900, one of the newspapers said, Hamilton went into an apprehensive period of recession. A mild panic went through Hamilton as more than 30% of the city's inhabitants moved anywhere else. This is the famous Riverside mansion of the Dailies. And this particular picture was selected because it hasn't been used that very often. And I wanted, I wanted to have some unusual pictures. The museum was a gold mine. Well, I guess I should say it was a copper mine. But it worked very well. There have been a lot of stories about him. One that fascinates me was the one I just referred to. On the right, she had at one point 1,200 horses and 200 to 500 workers. That's a lot of horsepower. You need to remember back then that horses were used for, besides raising and racing, they were used for farming, transporting, lumber. You know, there were a variety of horses out there, and I'm interested to hear the rest of the story here. <coughs> Excuse me. Marcus Daly's lumber mill, and this is one of the earlier pictures, employed about, oh, 1,700 young, tough, rough mill workers. And as we noted, lights came on in 1896. We, the first car came here in 1903, the same year that the sidewalks replaced the wooden boardwalks. The streets were paved in 1926. In the three years after it was platted, this is a list of some of the businesses that they actually had here in the great city of Hamilton. I won't take time to read them all. I'll let you glance through them because you might have noticed that there was a pretty good industry here. And so did Madam Clara Smith and Mary Glyme. And they moved here and a robust industry, evening industry, developed. 
I wanted to find at least one building that was a bar and a brothel. And this one is located at 111 Main. Craig, the owner, has refurbished it. Inside are two murals, gorgeous things which they refurbished. And if you have an opportunity, it, it's a wine tasting place now, go in and take a look at those murals. There's one on each wall the long way. Fascinating. So much of what we have today is based on stories and guesswork because there was only one person that wrote anything about the red light district before I started looking into it. She guessed there were 50 women who worked the district. I don't know. But through the newspapers, the first read through, and I'm a little conservative here, was right at 18,000 pages of newsprint. I had to go through them because there's nothing indexed under brothels or whatever, or the names. And the names were kind of a fascinating thing because there were business names and there were personal names. We don't have any personal names. The only two that we have are Mammy and Mary. Now, where was it? Okay, I'm told, ah, yes. That's the outline of the red light district in 1896. And this is the one in 1914. This map was one of the Sanborn maps that was prepared for ensuring cities around the United States. And when I was doing some research work in the museum at the State Library, I had never seen the Sanborn maps. And they're in color. They're not black and white. They're multicolor. Gorgeous. It took me three or four times before I recognized this rectangle. And there is their depiction on what it looked like. Now, that doesn't mean it was an exclusive area. The mill that you saw was at the west end of the city, and there were several independent houses there. An uh, elderly friend of mine took me on a little ride to show me where his grandfather had told him that was a house. That was a house. Well, you can't put that in a book. <laughs> but we know that there were some independent operators. I became kind of fascinated, and by the way, that everyone over here is 18, and that's perfectly okay. Is In the picture, there's a lot of thigh there. Uh, but the fascinating thing for most people was what? Cigarette. And I'm going, okay. When, you, when I started this, I didn't know all of these, the nomenclature, and when you're in any particular area, you should probably learn them. So I started writing them down so that when I came across another reference, I didn't have to say, well, what was that? The 
laws of, the, of various cities used different euphemistic phrases. The one in Helmholtz was houses of ill fame. We have probably, I've seen some of these, uh, of course, probably the Badlands, and for good reason, there were a lot of activities going on there. Uh, this one kind of fascinated me, and I'm going, ooh, Deme Monday, cool, we can do that. Now, as interesting as that was, I found it kind of interesting as to references to the, the people who work there. And one of my favorites, and I, I can't tell you why except I remember calico material, was the calico-clad females. And I, where did the cloth sacks used to come from? Yes, and they were all used, and there were several trips by husbands who were told by their wives, I'm finishing my dress, you go down and this is the pattern that you buy. So this one kind of fascinated me. Here's a fascinating lady all her own. This is the example of given names and work names. Chicago Joe. She was also known as Molly Welch, Mary Welch, and Josephine Erie. Most of the ladies' names, and these are some of them that were here, today metal figures, the work of Butte High School shop students, quietly commemorate the anonymous women who worked on those desolate brick pave alleyways. I tried to figure out how some of these people got their names. The one that I'm still fascinated, and if, if you have any suggestion, this one. <laughs> I, I don't know. There was another one that I didn't put up here, and I, I'm still totally out of, out of touch with this one. Her name was Six Pack. <laughs> I don't know either. <clears throat> you notice that I said that there was one church in town? There was an entry in the Presbyterian Church Minutes in the early 1890s before the church was completed. The congregation was holding services in a second-story room on North 2nd above a bar and was kicked out by the saloon owner to make room for his girls. <laughs> hey, it's in the church minutes. I want to kind of bring this to a conclusion because I've gone just a little longer than my time notes say, but this one is important. The stories that came out in the newspapers talked about stabbings and bombings and burnings and all of the rest of this stuff. And yes, they were notorious. But those actually were the men who were in the district. They weren't working there. They were paid customers. 
Personally, I think this hat's gorgeous. But this is a story of Montana angels. While almost all of the prostitutes had unsavory reputations in the West, there were many kind, generous ladies of easy virtue. One author says, these women spread a silken web of good deeds that sparkled in the wilderness. They contributed to local charities, hospitals, and churches, and were the first to lend a hand during a disaster or offer assistance to survivors. These are the stories of the Montana Angels. Mr. Tom Ford, who is the owner of Ford's store here in Hamilton, remembers Christmas many years ago. Cliff, how old is Tom? 91. 91 years young. And if you happen to go by Ford's window and look in, this is exactly where you will see him. But he was talking to us one day and said, remember when I bought some little red wagons and the ladies bought them and gave them to children who wouldn't have had any gifts at all? Right here in Hamilton. I want to tell you just a couple of minutes about Mammy. We have no pictures of any of these. This is not a picture of Mammy Smith, although it is. <laughs> I went to law school, you should like that answer. This is Mammy Mary Ellen Pleasant. She was a madam in San Francisco. She married a fellow, her first husband's name was, last name was Smith. So, kind of Mammy Smith and kind of Mammy Smith. She was an activist down there, a power broker, and a civil rights crusader. When Mammy came to Hamilton, she had married a gentleman who <laughs> was a member of the 25th Regiment at Fort Missoula. It was the black regiment stationed there. His obituary says that he was a cook, so when they came to Hamilton, they both uh, cooked, and the Butte Standard said, she dressed in the style of the old plantation darkies and attended to her shopping until she passed. She was 80 when she died. I'm looking at my watch, and I'm going to conclude by saying thank you for being here. I've enjoyed it. I hope you have had a little bit of an experience of the 1890s. If you have a chance to visit that very nice wine tasting establishment on Hamilton, please do so. If you have not had the, taken the opportunity to visit the museum, I would encourage you to do that too. Thank you.